Hello and welcome. This is Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, your host on the Surgical Spirit Podcast. And today we have Dr. Pauline Morris. How are you, Dr. Pauline? Hey, I am very well, thank you. Um, I've been enjoying some time at home because I've got a new grandbaby, a grandson. So um, that's kept my spirits up most days, except the days when he's screaming, holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you brought it up because sometimes, you know, if you, if you ask a woman, you know, you're, you're a grandmother now, they do get upset because it kind of. Oh, no, not really? me. I am. Oh. You know what? I am very grateful for every morning that I open my eyes. Everything is still in place and pretty much works the same way as it did the day before. So I will never, ever, ever begrudge waking up another morning. And if that means I get to be a grandma, that's even better. So, so how's it been? What's, what's, um, what's it like? Cause, cause I'm not a granddad. So, you know what? It's really, I mean, I'm not usually a person that's lost for words, but it's just, it's just amazing. I mean, I've watched my, I've watched my baby have a baby, you know, it's just, and every time I look at him, it's like, he's a bigger miracle than she was. She's heard me say that, so she's over it now. But, you know, it's just amazing to think, you know, here's another, and this sounds pretty selfish, but hey, um, and a bit self-centered, but it's like, oh my gosh, there's another little piece of me in the world. That is just so amazing. And he's just adorable. He's got a lot of personality already. His parents have some some um, exciting times to come, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and um, has he sort of taken most of his stuff from you or or from your daughter? What do you oh, think well, so far? He's only six weeks old, so it's hard to tell. But um, he's pretty stubborn and that runs in our family. So, you know, <laughs> he doesn't like to sleep. Uh, he's already worked out that when he sleeps, things changes and he he will he will yell to, to not fall asleep. So it's really that must be from me because I'm always looking for the next adventure and you know, you can always sleep later, <laughs> get stuff done. Yeah, I mean, you put people to sleep. So, you know, that's your job. It is, it is, it is. And um, it's it's an unfortunate um, necessity in life uh, to help people live better lives, more healthy lives. So, you know, you got to take some good with the bad. So, yeah, sometimes you just have to sleep. So, you know, talking about stubbornness, you know, when, when did you realize that, that you know you are stubborn oh um I think I kind of worked that out from very young I didn't know I didn't think I was being stubborn I just thought I was just being interested (laughs) but that was often interpreted as being stubborn because um I grew up in the West Indies and you know children are supposed to be seen and not heard but I was always the one sort of sticking up my hand and asking questions and poking at things that I wasn't supposed to be poking at. And, and despite people um, not encouraging that behavior in me, I, it persisted. So I suppose in a way, there was a stubbornness that I developed very early in life about um, wanting to know more and learn more and, and be more knowledgeable. And I was always asking why. And as a child, you, were, you, you just didn't say why. It was considered rude. It's like, don't do that. Well, why? <laughs> yeah, that was a good way to get in trouble. So, yeah, I've always been stubborn. I, I've, never, I've never taken it for granted what people tell me is the truth. 
So I always I always push back a little bit, um, and that caused me some 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 interesting um, uh, what's the word I want situations uh, throughout my life and my and my career in medicine. But hey, I, I'm better off for it where I am now for sure. Could, could could you give us a story of when you were younger and your sort of stubbornness um, got you in trouble? Oh wow. Um, uh, I decided that I wanted to know more about what my grandmother did. Um, my grandmother was an incredible woman. And um, I, I always say she had an Excel spreadsheet in her head before anybody had an idea what an Excel spreadsheet was. She was pretty amazing. But she was very, uh, she was very of the opinion that you, you, you're seen and not heard. And um, we would clash very often, my, my grandmother and I, not so much with my mother, because I kind of worked out that my mother was a different kind of person and there was kind of no point trying to get information out of her. But my grandmother and I, we, we, we clashed uh, a lot when I was little because I was forever going, but why, but why, but why not? And why do you do this? And she would get really fed up of me, you know, <laughs> she'd really, she'd really you know, be like, why aren't you like your brothers and sisters and just leave me alone and do your own thing? But I don't know, somewhere in my head, I worked out that she was, I don't know, I guess a volume of, of uh, information. And I just kept pushing at her and, you know, every now and then that would get me into trouble. <laughs> and, but um, eventually, by the time I was a teenager, she kind of relented. Um, and she just and anytime I asked a question after that, she would she would give me an honest answer, much, much to the despair of my mother, because my mother didn't think that I should know um, many of these things that she would tell me. Uh, so that caused a little bit of friction in my relationship with my mother as well, because um, then I would say things to my mother and she would not like what I say to her. So um, it was a it, it was there wasn't one particular thing. I mean, it happened in school as well. I was always sent to the back of the class because I was asking too many questions and disrupting the class. And it was it was a flavor <laughs> of my of my childhood rather than one particular story, per se. Uh, whereabouts in the Caribbean were you? Barbados. OK. Okay, and and uh, what was it like there? You know, I mean, I I presume this was back in the, um, you know, sort of eighties and nineties. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll stick with the eighties. Yeah, we'll stick yeah. with that. Um, Barbados is wonderful. It's really great. It's a tiny little island. It's only one hundred and sixty-six square miles. We've got the Caribbean Sea um, on the west coast and the Atlantic Ocean on the east coast. So the east coast is a bit rougher. Um, and it's not so touristy because it's a bit more craggy and rough and, you know, but it's an, it was an amazing place to grow up. And I was lucky in that, although the Caribbean is considered one region, I, I suppose it's a little bit the, like the European Union. It's one region, but every little country and island is, is different and has its own nuances and languages and different demographics. And my father was from Panama and my mother was from Dominica which was which had a heavy French influence so she spoke a, a my mother and my grandmother spoke a French patois which enriches your life to no end when you can speak more than one language as you know yeah 
Um, it was a beautiful place to grow up. It was very relaxed. You know, the beaches uh, are amazing, white sand, and it's something that I miss very much. Um, the diversity of people and, you know, the things that you were exposed to made my world bigger than I think it perhaps could have been. But again, my mother, my grandmother was also very much responsible for that. It was a wonderful place to grow up because you you were allowed to be a child. You 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 never I never felt that I had to be more than I currently was at the time, which I think is something that even the generation of of my daughter and I, uh, my daughter and her friends, they they've lost that. They, there's they they're always chasing something already as children. And um, you didn't have that in the Caribbean in, at that time. So it was a very relaxed place to grow up. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what's, you know, the, the predominant flavor in, in Barbados? What is, it, what is it famous for? You know, what does it taste like? Uh, surf, sea and sand. Yeah, right. yeah. That, that's what it's known for. The beautiful stretches of, of white sandy beaches very calm, um, like I said, on the yeah. on the west side of the island. Um, it's well also well known for really good food. And um, it's also known, well, COVID has changed that. It used to be known, hopefully will be again for the, I use the word carnival, because that's a word that everybody recognizes that, that happened at the end of summer every year. And it's a really interesting one because it has a historical background to it. And it was, and it came about as a celebration at the end of the summer where the last of the canes had been cut. So it was a time when the slaves could relax for a little bit for a brief period of time. And the whole festival developed out of that, that brief period of, of uh, freedom, for lack of a better word, that, that the slaves had once the crop had been fully harvested. So it comes from that um, historical background and it's, it's, it's a really wonderful celebration of music and life and costumes and dancing and music. And it's another thing I miss very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think carnival is a uh, French word, I think. Is that, is, is that right? I'm not sure. I mean, uh, what we, we don't call it carnival. Um, other, other islands like Trinidad, Dominica, they, they call it carnival. We call it literally uh, crop over or kadumant, which is the the parlance of of the way the way we speak English in in Barbados. So um, I'm not sure about the the yeah. origin of carnival, but yeah, in in Barbados it's called kadumant and kropova. And, and you know that's a English or a French or a Portuguese. Uh, word it's or... mostly English. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly English. In the Caribbean, there, because of the, the heavy influence of different European countries, there was the Portuguese, there was the British, the French, the Spanish. Um, and then, of course, there was the, the influx of Africans that were brought over with uh, during the slave period. And then after that, they were with the, the emancipation of, of slavery. There was the, the second workforce that was brought in was that of from the um, Indian continent. Hmm. So there's a huge um, demographic of, of that population within the West Indies. But because of the, the political uh, 
warfare that occurred during those times, islands changed hands. And because of that, the influences are peppered differently throughout each island. Mm -hmm. So for instance, Mother's Island, Dominica, there's a very heavy French influence. Um, in Trinidad, there's a very uh, uh, Indian continent influence. And that's all because of how things developed over the course of the years. So it's a very interesting place to live. Yeah. We've got and, everything. And and, and and Barbados has sort of more of a British influence? Yes, or, yeah, yes. Yeah. It was actually nicknamed Little Britain at one point. Yeah, 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 right, right. And in, in, in terms of sort of favourite food or favourite dish... You know, that's... Oh, well, it's it's called cuckoo and flying fish. Now, <laughs> that also has a very interesting history because, um, and I know this happens in other parts of the world, but there is a species of fish that jumps and it extends its wings. So yeah. it, it doesn't actually fly. It soars over the water. Uh-huh. And um, it, it caused quite a stir when when people from the, the Caribbean came um, to the to the British Isles because people thought we were a bit dulali talking about flying fish, but they do exist. Um, and the, the 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 traditional carbohydrate is is uh, it's like um the what did the French the French have not the French the Spanish have a a very similar a very uh, I forget what it's called. Um, it'll come back to me later. Yeah, it's like a cornmeal. It's okay. like a cornmeal. And the Spanish have a version of it that's much more coarse. Um, but the food developed, again, a, a, around the, the idea that you had to have very dense, um, calorific food mm. to uh, perform the work that needed to be done when you were out in the sun all day. So the food is very dense, very calorific throughout the whole Caribbean, not just Barbados. But in Barbados, the signature dish is cuckoo and flying fish. Cuckoo. What, what does what does cuckoo. cuckoo mean? It's it's the cornmeal. It's, ah. it's a very fine grain cornmeal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's oh, I forget what it's called. It's yeah. the, the Spanish have a version of it begins with P. It's just what, not coming. Pe- Peñata or isn't it called Peñata? No, no, no. no It'll no, come to me later on. Yeah. I'll throw it in. But um, <clears throat> and that's on the vegetable that's usually served with is a, a cucumber pickle. Okay. So. Um, and okras. I, in Britain, they call that lady fingers. Yeah, yeah, lady yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, so that's usually mixed into the cuckoo. And then the the cucumber pickle is is fresh, so it's that, with parsley and garlic and onion and lots of lime and salt, and oh, it's very tasty. Oh yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we we use okra a lot actually, uh, and. Um, Sorry, the cat just me. Oh, you've got a cat. We've got a cat visitor. We've got three. You got he's three also, cats. He's very, he's very loud. Sorry, you might hear him again. Yeah, lot needs a lot of attention, eh? Yes. So, so um, lots of cats in Barbados as well. Yes. Did you grow up yes, with cats? Hmm? Did you have a lot of cats? Uh, when you yeah. Were? Well, actually, I grew up on on a mini farm, kind oh. of. Uh, we had pigs and sheep and goats and and horses and it was it was mostly livestock. Not, not we didn't really have yeah. um, fruits and vegetables per se. Um, so sorry, the cat is really yeah yeah yeah. Well, well, it's on the podcast now. You know they they understand these things. You know they know when there's something's sorry. going on. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I I, I grew up. Um, you did know, you work on the farm 
Were you expected? Yeah, to yeah, work? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um, I milked the cows and fed yeah. them and stirred the mash and fed them. And I used to go with my my stepfather and and we would go. I didn't really like doing the early morning thing. I didn't do that very much. No but wonder you said evenings, why a lot. You know, no, 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 no wonder you had all those why questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, in the evenings, I, I, it was it was one of the greatest um, joys I had with him, going out with him to tend to the animals, and we would do that most evenings. So that was that was really nice. So what, when 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 do you decide that farm life is not for you, and you wanted like something else? <laughs> Uh, that's, um, how much time do you have? (laughs) Um, I kind of became a doctor because of different circumstances, not really anything to do with farming. Um, I, I got pregnant when I was 17 and, um, the whole world, well, my whole world kind of exploded when that happened. Planned or uh, unplanned or? Unplanned, unplanned. And everybody sort of, uh, prepared my life for me when that happened everybody knew what was going to become of me and I kind of didn't really like that so I decided I was going to do something different and it was going to be the exact opposite of what everybody said it would be and um, becoming a physician uh, was part of that decision in in that journey and it wasn't really something that was on my mind when I was growing up. I didn't think that that was my path. My grandmother did. She used to say it all the time. So clearly she knew something I didn't know. But um, yeah, after that happened to me and I thought about what I wanted for myself and what I now wanted for my child, um, I decided that this was the course of action I was gonna take. I was gonna become a doctor. And um, it kind of followed on because originally I wanted to be a, a, a vet but um, I found it was very difficult to to understand that animals, you know, can be really not cared for and be unwell. And I actually struggled with that a bit. So becoming a doctor was the next the next step. Um, once I worked that out after working in the RSPCA for a few years. Yeah, yeah. That's quite um, difficult for us as as human human beings to understand how unkind we can be. Yeah, it is. It is, and um, that 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 paid, paid a major role in how I then um, grew as a person myself. Because when you're at the at the end, uh, you're at the receiving end of of all that um, unkindness and um this dismissal and that sort of negativity you kind of make a decision to either believe it or not believe it and when you make the decision to not believe it how you then develop as a person and how your relationships with other people develop is completely different it's completely different and it was probably the best thing that happened to me because i was very directionless before that but having this, this challenge and this other person in my life that I loved beyond measure just create, showed me a, a path that I don't think I would have seen before. So it was, that was a, a real pivotal time for me. It's not, it's not a moment, it was years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could you, could, could you tell us a, a, a bit more about that? 
Oh, which bit? <laughs> which bit? About being in the receiving end. Um. Well, it's really it's really weird to to be. I never had the experience of having random strangers kind of stare at me with um, malevolence in their eyes and and disappointment and dislike and the judgment that came along with it. I mean, most people have grown up with, with judgment in their lives. I don't think anybody hasn't. But it was the intensity of it and the regularity of it and also where it came from. So it came from everywhere. It came from strangers. It came from family. It came from people who were supposed to be um, friends. And um, it, it, you, I almost had to develop a, a, a water off the, a duck's back sort of outlook to life where I just went, well, this is where I'm focused now. This is what I'm doing now. And I'm not really interested in anybody that doesn't allow me to, to follow that path or anybody who's not interested in directing me along one that is, uh, congruent with the direction that I want for myself and my family. So it was, it took some adjusting, but again, what it meant for me is as, I, you know, looking back compared to where I am now, it always allowed me to try to see the bigger picture. It's very easy to look at somebody and make a judgment. And we all do that as much as we would think that we don't like to do it. We all do that. And it's not about not making the judgment. It's about having enough insight to know that you're making the judgment and make the decision to put it aside and actually see what the evidence brings to you. And sometimes you actually have to go and look for that evidence. It doesn't always come to you. So that's something that's held me in very good stead over the course of my life. And, I, and again, I don't think I would have developed that had I not been at that that back end of all of that um, animosity and, and negativity and, and judgment. So all in all, I've, it's 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 helped me. It's helped me be where I am today. Yeah, yeah. And and this was because of the um unexpected pregnancy and yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 um what made you shift that that sort of mindset? Because, you know, you were quite young at the time. Was that something yeah. that you've always had because you were quite, you know, inquisitive and, you know, a bit stubborn and you had someone who you respected and yet were sort of fighting against uh, on a on a regular basis? Did you develop that sort of over a period of time? Or was there a switch? Um, part of that was, yes, inherently who I, uh, I am as a person. But there were two major things that, that contributed to me developing that confidence and self-love for myself. And one of them was my grandmother and um, my mother. Because <clears throat> my grandmother always... My grandmother was, was one of the few people I understood could love unconditionally. And she loved us, her love, she loved her family unconditionally. As far as she was concerned, I just did what human beings do. <laughs> I procreated, I had a baby. She was very practical and pragmatic about it. And like I said, she'd always believed I was going to be a doctor anyway. I have no idea where she got that from. And she was and she supported me in in, in a very sort of uh quiet, um, nondescript way that buoyed me significantly. My mother 
gave me all the support I could ask for when I made the decision to go back to school um, because I, I left, I've left school for a year to stay home with a baby. That was a choice I made. I wanted to do that. And when I decided what I really wanted to do with my life, she supported me 100%. And so did my stepfather. They, they were very pinnacle in my life. And having that, that force of, of love behind me allowed me to, to not just become this bitter person who, who just kept that I, you know, with a chip on my shoulder fighting with every, anybody and everybody. And that shift in that, well, not shift in attitude, that, that attitude then allowed me to be open to the people around me who brought me that positive energy. And all of a sudden, you know, I lost a whole heap of friends. Yes, I did. Um, but other friends came you know, ones who wanted to, to help with the baby, ones who wanted to help me study, ones who wanted to give me a ride to university and back, you know, my, my, my daughter's um, pediatrician, I took her for her six weeks visit. And I said to the pediatrician, you know, actually, no, I met her before, before I had the baby, because I was um, selling encyclopedias at the time. Yes, yes, back in the day. And um, I sold her a set of encyclopedias, the most amazing woman, Dr. Patricia Innes. And in our conversation, I said to her, you know what, I've decided I wanted to be a doctor. And um, she was in private healthcare, um, and in Barbados, you have to pay for private healthcare if you don't have insurance. And I liked the, this lady so much. I took my daughter back to her for a six-week visit, and I said, Dr. Ennis is going to be my daughter's pediatrician. And that woman, um, she never charged me to see my daughter, not once. And I, I was confused. I didn't really understand what it was, and I wasn't sure what to make of it. And it's only years later that it dawned on me that this was her way of supporting me. She didn't know who I was. She didn't know anything about me, but she, she just gave me her faith. And it was something that just carried me. I didn't know that at the time, but it was one of those things that just, just came to me. And my, my mother always used to say, God doesn't come, but he sends, you know? And all of the, you know, I had all of these people being sent to me but I also believe that I had to be open enough within my own heart to recognize these people and accept them into my life. So it was, it was, it was, it was a, it, it's, I cannot forget the impact these people have had on my life. And if I can do even one third for even one person of what these people have done for me, I know I've done what I'm supposed to do on this earth. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's very difficult for us to accept this giving, you know, when we're when we're so um, ungiving to ourselves, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it's also the receiving as well, because I'm sure you've met somebody that you wanted to give, but they were so closed that they just weren't open enough to receive it. And, and that's, that's hard because that means you open yourself up to, to, to people taking advantage of you, to having your trust abused. And, but for every one time that happens, if you focus on the times when it didn't happen, you'd realize that it's worth it to be open, to be receiving. And when you give, you receive. And you always receive more than you give, always. 
So, so, so in that year when you took time off school, mm. what was it like with you and the newborn? What, what was your, um, what was that experience like? Well, God doesn't come, but he sends, he sent me a beautiful baby. <laughs> um, and I guess he knew that um, I didn't have a lot of support. So he sent me a baby that was very easy to take care of. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong. There were some very difficult moments as any newborn, um, any yeah. parent can tell you. But um, I just, I just, I don't know. I just always wanted to be there for her. And um, it was 99.99% better that it was not. So, um, I mean, I mean, how, how, how did it change you as a woman having that uh, hmm. baby? I don't know that it, I don't know that it changed me per se. I think what it did was allowed me to have some place where I could focus all my love, care and attention and that was perhaps something that I needed. So in terms of in terms of changing me, what changed me was how I decided my life was going to go, the direction that I wanted. And what I wanted for her meant that I had to make those decisions for myself. So um, in that aspect, yes, it changed me. But did it change me as a person? I don't think it did. But what it did do was allow me to learn about myself in a way that I probably would not have done before. And if I'd become a mother 20 years later, I don't think the learning would have been the same. So but there's a lot of focus there. You became more focused. It was more clear for you. Who I was and who I wanted to be became a lot clearer. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's not bad, you know. You saying true to me? <laughs> hey, what's no, going on there? <laughs> not, bad at all. not bad at all. No, no. She was. She. She was my. She. It. She was my rudder. She was. You know. She set me on a on a course and a path that made me into a better person. Yeah, yeah. And 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 what was medical school? You you did medical school in in Barbados, I presume. Uh, well, the system at the time was you did your first non-clinical three years in Trinidad, which is another mm -hmm. island. And then you you came you had the choice of coming back to Barbados for your last two clinical years. So I did I did uh, a year at university first, which ended up being two because I got dengue fever and missed my exams. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so, so I ended up taking that's all the years. Trinidadians fault. You know, there's, yeah. you always blame it on the Trinidad. <laughs> well, it was Barbados, actually, where that wow. happened where I did my pre my my pre med my pre med years so I lost a whole year because I missed out on my on on my exams because I had dengue fever but then after that I went to Trinidad to study um and that was a wonderful experience um it, it was it was a struggle because again I met a lot of resistance people really struggled with the idea that I was you know 21 with a child yeah. and I was in medical school and I still partied and had fun and you know it was a real struggle for people to get their heads around that again because you don't and you love that a... you know you love that when people struggle you think yeah <laughs> well you know it's your journey not mine yeah, um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like yeah go on keep going yeah I've enjoyed myself you know, it, it, it did challenge me because I was very, I was still very young in terms of 
understanding people and the nuance of people and why people do what they do and why they say what they say and so I was I was very confused because for me I just I in general I took people for what they were I didn't think about where they came from or what they looked like or how much money they had or I just said hey are you a person we get along we don't get along if we don't get along that's fine if we get along great let's be friends but it wasn't like that. People made a lot of judgments about me and what, what they sh- thought I should be and how I should behave. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I had people even ask me, why are you even in medical school? Yeah. Um, you know, it was a conversation based around you have no right to be here. You know, you're a teenage mom. You, you don't get to live this life. So um, it was a struggle. But for that aspect, but for the most part, it was a really good time and I met some incredible people who are still my lifelong friends and colleagues um it's because I met people outside and inside medical school as well and again it it helped shape my future to where I am now and being able to connect with people when I coach on a on a completely different level because the the journey that I've taken is 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 somewhat unique and the challenges that I had to overcome and experience and find workarounds for and, you know, ways to process this allows me to, to work with people on a completely different level, a much deeper level than I don't think I would have been able to had I not had these experiences. So it's benefited me as an anesthetist sitting in, you know, pre-assessment clinic, you know, finding out why somebody wants to have this procedure done, you know, and it's benefited me as a coach when somebody comes to me and says, you know, I've got this and, and I can, you know, comfortably say to them, you know, well, why? What does this mean to you? How will your life change? Well, what's happening now? And that actually means something to me because I went through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 what? how, how about the sort of the thing between Trinidad and, and Barbados? Did that sort of play a part or not really? The differences? Or there's no differences between Trinidad and Barbados? Oh, there are many differences. Uh-huh. <laughs> There are many, many, many differences. Um, yeah, again, I, 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 you know, one of my um, joys in life is is to try new things, to be yeah. adventurous, to get out there, to to see yeah. how it's done, to learn more, to do more. And um, Trinidad is very different for a bit from Barbados, and I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that it was different from yeah. Barbados, and I fully immersed myself in the culture, the food. Um, the people, my friends, you know, yeah, I yeah. had a, I had a really good time in Trinidad. Um, so there's lots of that, positives in, in, oh, in, yeah. in doing loads, things loads. that's totally different. Yeah. Loads. And like I said, I still have, I met people out there who are still like family to me, you know, uh, and these are non-medics as well. So it, it was, it was really great. I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. I'm, I'm very glad I made the decision to go. And and when 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 did you decide to to leave the Caribbean and and sort of train outside or work outside? Okay, well, so yeah, as as I mentioned earlier, Barbados is a small place. It's brilliant, but it's small. And the Caribbean is is one. It's yes, there are many differences, but it's still one region. And I thought to myself, with my sense of adventure, look, I'm going to be doing this for the next thirty or forty years of my life. I'll take the opportunity to go outside and do anesthesia somewhere else, you know, see how it's done somewhere else, you know, have access to resources that we don't have. And um, it was a brilliant opportunity to take my daughter along and show her a different way of living. 
um, open up her horizons and so you can have a different cultural experience and um, just different opportunities for the both of us. So it came about again, because I was sitting there going, hmm, well, what else can I be doing with my life? What else can I learn? <laughs> and um, at the time it was very easy to, to migrate from the um, Barbados to the UK. It was a very simple process. I turned up and said, hey, I'm a doctor, I wanna work here and um, got an interview and got a job. So, um, but then we stayed. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't part of the plan. Um, I mean, what was it about the UK that sort of you felt, well, this is really good. I'm, I'm going to stay here. <laughs> well, it was actually my um, college tutor, <laughs> Dr. Riyad. I'd only come for a year and um, I was I was in an SHO post, at, as they called it at the time. And um, he said, well, look, you're here for a year. Keep your brain going. Take over. Do the FRCA, the part one. And I thought, mm, yeah, OK, fine, I'll do that. So I passed it. And then he said, oh, that's really great. Well, now that you've passed it, you might as well apply for registrar post. And I thought, mm, well, I don't know about that, but you know, I'm not gonna lose anything if I apply yeah. and I don't get it. And I sent out three applications and I got one interview and I got the job. <laughs> and he said, well, that's the next five years of your life taken care of because you have to finish your training. And by the way, you pr should probably do part two. And I thought, uh, oh, well, okay. Um, yeah, right. Why not? Why not? And um, then I met my husband and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once you meet, meet your husband, that that's it, you know, you can't say no, you can't say, I can't why. say no. Because up until that point, I was still planning to go back to Barbados. But, you know, you know, I mean, the great thing about back in those days is that, you know, you had like um, a, a master or a guru. And you stayed with yeah. them or in that region for years and years. And, mm. and you just developed such a lovely um, relationship. And, and um, you know, it's like a one big family. Um, yeah, he was he was amazing. That, my whole I did my, that SHO training in um, Dewsbury, Pinderfield and Pontefract. And I worked with them, amazing consultants. And what was pinnacle for me uh, working in that area, because... I had just moved um, and it was a matter of months before my, my stepdad died and um, I had to go back to Barbados. And it was the first time I had really understood that it is possible for your colleagues to care about you personally. I mean, really personally. Um, in Barbados, I learned a fantastic work ethos, you know, about how to be a, a good, diligent doctor who cares for their patients what I learned from them was yes we're all human and we need to take care of each other and that was my first real experience of of doctors caring for doctors yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's where the name of my 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 little foundation comes from doctors caring for doctors and I really felt that when he passed away, the support I got from them as, as a department was, was, you know, unprecedented. And it changed um, my path because I think if, if I hadn't been shown that care and support, I might not have coped well enough to stay. So that was very impactful for me. And it taught me pretty much a life lesson about being a physician in healthcare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some, some big guys were, were were looking out for you. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. 
yeah 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 i mean you know you're totally right essentially we are humans uh first and foremost before we are physicians and and you know we need that human touch on a regular basis you know even within the workspace do you think the cat's going to come in again <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm trying to stop i can hear his little bell going it's uh, coming so. <laughs> you know it wants the human touch isn't it even cats want the oh, human they, touch they're spoiled rotten all three of them and the dog we have a greyhound as well a rescue greyhound they must they're be thinking dogs. you know how can i be human but i can't because i just love that caring so much they, they all have their own personalities the one who comes in here we we, we laugh at him because um, um he's the worst cat ever he can't jump he can't hunt we think he's really a dog in 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 disguise and our dog is you know she's she's a little prince my friend calls her the duchess <laughs> she's such a little princess she walks around puddles can you imagine that <sighs> well you know i i, I guess there's some dysphoria there isn't it sort of <laughs> definitely but yeah the, the species furry dysphoria a, <laughs> the furry friends bring a lot of joy to our home though yeah definitely yeah, yeah. and you know you're into um uh interior design yeah, By the looks yeah. of it, you know, you've got a you've got a skull at the back there. <laughs> you've got a, a teddy that's being, you know, that's having a dump. Oh, um, come on. He's sitting oh. in a nice wicker chair. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so it's really working this thing about interior design. <laughs> yeah, I even made um I even made this lamp here. Made that. And you thought so I was a nice guy, thing. eh? So my favorite thing is to go to the charity shop and um, upcycle things. Oh, and right. um, yeah, so the, the interior design thing came about. Um, I didn't know I, I had a real propensity for interior design until we had our first home. And um, I started doing all this stuff with it and it all kind of worked out. And me being me, um, I have to formalize everything I do. So I went and did an interior design degree because, um, well... As a doctor, that's what we do, isn't it? We have to validate everything that we do. So, um, yeah, that that's good fun. It's it's I've managed to turn that into a little side business. But um, it's more I mostly just make gifts for friends and family when it's their birthday and Christmas and and whatever. But every now and then I sell something and I go help somebody decorate their space. Maybe one day I'll make more of it. But at the moment, it's it's a lovely creative outlet for myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, medicine can be very, you know, you've got to work within a structure and, yeah, and, you know, it can get a bit stifling sometimes. So we all need our creative, Mm, you know, juices to be released. Um, I mean, I like doing podcasts, you know, because I'm interested in, in having conversations and, and I try and bring it in to a certain extent during the uh, sort of clinical work, but it's difficult because there's a prescribed structure that patients there's a lot of resistance isn't it yeah yeah i mean i i um previously when you know when we do clinics we 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 do it in corridors you know because you have so many patients so you're kind of a bit reluctant to have the kind of conversation you want to have with the patient because it's Mm. your own style you want to use certain words and and I'd be honest with you, you know, I mean, I do use colorful language with my patients. Um, uh, and, well, you're and, a colorful uh, kind of guy, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I use a lot of colorful language. 
um, because it makes the patient at ease, you know. And so, it makes them laugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, whether that happens, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, when I'm in a good mood, they do leave kind of funny and you can hear them saying, oh. So, yeah, coming back to my point, once I have my own room where I can close the door, I feel so much more comfortable because I can say whatever be I yourself. want. Be myself. Because I'm always thinking, oh, my God, what are they going to say? Yeah. Not. I always yeah, have that kind of sense. That's a tough one for us. Um, and this is this is one of the things that I struggled with when I was doing a lot of my training in medicine and in my personal life too. You know, you you've you've got your own values and you've got your own beliefs. And um as doctors, we're we're always taught that the the professional um sanctum is no place for your own values and beliefs and who you are and and you know you always you're always trying to be somebody who you're not or you're mm. you're you're trying to you're just trying so hard to to fit in I think um uh, one of our colleagues Ross he calls them um uh, medical zombies you know we must all yeah 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 path. and um it was really funny when I first heard him say it because my my what I used to, what I call it is cookie cookie cutter doctoring you know we oh. we must all fit in this mold and you know and and there's no room for personality and being different and you know and it's 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 just it's just not really the way to live and we should yeah. appreciate that that we're different I mean yeah. and the reality is is you're never going to be everybody's cup of tea you're always going to upset somebody no matter who you are or what you do and um, we all just have to try and you know be a, have a bit more flex in our life and um, it's, it's about time that we, we, we get away from this in medicine. You know, we're not all the same. We come from different places with different experiences. And in every other community, that's, that's considered a wonderful thing. In medicine, you know, you're considered an outlier and a troublemaker and a nuisance. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, a problem. it's time for that to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I understand. And, and, and I think for me, Time was the biggest um, way of, of moving forward. You know, once they realized that, you know, you are different, but not because you're trying to cause problems or, or you know, cause issues or trying to disrupt things. It's just the way you are. And the work still gets done and you're still, you know, um, clinically effective, I guess the word is. <laughs> yeah, that's a good phrase. <laughs> yeah yeah um but you do it in a different way um yeah. uh, so you know why the hell do you end up in in qatar then you know because because that's quite a rigid <laughs> yeah that's quite that's a rigid on, system that's me off on another adventure again isn't it <laughs> <laughs> you went from a fairly you know sort of open freeish uh kind of you know efficient uh, society and sort of medical system into a well, um, a, you know, culturally less diverse uh, place. Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, um, uh, the Western world is is pretty much the the Western world, and even in the Caribbean, it's very Westernized. Although we have, you know, everything over there, we've we've got everybody in all kinds of ways of living. But um, it, it's just just me going again. Hey, you know, there's another part of the world that I know nothing about yeah. that um, I want to see and know about. And and um, Qatar pre presented a, a, 
a really pleasant opportunity for me because it was going to give me an opportunity to do something professionally that I would never be able to do in the NHS. And that was be part of opening a whole new hospital. So it was a new hospital. It was a completely new department. So that was a professional opportunity that I was I, I would never have again, I don't think. Um, so that was a great pull for me. And of course, being in a community that I knew nothing about, where all I could do is learn more about this culture and uh, by default myself, um, I had no reason not to go really. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that, that's, that, that's my um, uh, latest professional adventure. And it's been great. It's been fantastic. I mean, I can say that I opened a new hospital and a, a new department. I mean, not many of us can say that. So um, that was really quite fascinating and challenging and exciting. And the culture is, is they're very, um, they're very uh, tolerant of Western ways of living mm. in Canada it's it's different to Saudi it's not quite as liberal as as Dubai it's somewhere in between um it's very clearly is Islamic and um you know right now it's Ramadan and um Ramadan Kareem by the way thank you <laughs> um so it was it's very easy to slot in there you know, they ask you to be respectful and cover your shoulders and cover your knees and that sort of thing when you go into government buildings. And But, you know, really, there's there's very little restriction on, on the way of life. And um, it's a beautiful place. They've got lovely beaches. There's, there's, they, 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 they know that they're bringing in a community into their world and they want that level of integration so we can function and build up the country itself so there's a lot of concession to western ways of living and it's a it's a very very lovely work-life balance if i'm honest i have zero regrets um going there absolutely none personally or professionally and again i've met a bunch of great people yeah 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 as so, usual so, so what what have you learned about yourself um about experiencing this new culture um i learned that i am um, really interested in people that was something I didn't know about myself um it was something that I didn't honor in myself as a physician before because I felt this constant um hamster wheel sort of way of existing um and I didn't have a lot of time to actually enjoy what it is that I enjoy about the world and part of that is actually just being with people and talking to people and I understood that that was something that was important to me because suddenly I had the time to do it because when we got there there were no patients yet or we had just started getting patients so there was a lot of time to to self-reflect and to stop and to to learn from other people. And that included the patients and learn about their culture and their way of life and how their expectations of, of how medical care is delivered to them. And I found that really, really exciting and exhilarating and it, it brought me to the understanding that um, I really, really enjoy spending time with people. I mean, I knew that about my family and friends, but I didn't realize that I felt that way about, you know, pretty much the whole world. 
And um, that was really quite pleasant because I, I, I felt I became so much more comfortable talking to random people and strangers. And it, although I had that in my life growing up in the West Indies, it, it, it's a different level that I felt um, having moved to Qatar. And um, that is how that, that extended into my coaching as well. Because all of a sudden it wasn't, it was this curiosity to help you get to wherever it is you want to go. And I didn't know that that was something important to me until I went to Qatar and had the opportunity and the time to really enjoy that experience. And, and, and what did you realize that was not so good in you from your experience in Qatar? Um, I still had a lot of needs for external validation that I didn't realize. And that was something that held me back. And when I look back, knowing that now, I realized how much further I could have been if I didn't have that, that belief system within me um, that I, I always, I needed, you know, it goes back to, oh yes, I enjoy interior design. Oh, but I need to prove that I'm good at interior design. Let's go get a degree and do it. Right. It's this there was this constant need to prove myself um, that I didn't realize I had. And because I felt I need to prove myself, if I'm if I was ever in a situation where I didn't feel I had that proof, I would back away from it. So I wouldn't step forward into into my own power as a person because I believed that I couldn't. Um, and that was a little bit of a shock to me because I didn't know that about myself. I, I really honestly didn't know that about myself. And, and then, it was really and, surprising. And then you can work it out going backwards like, oh, I, I understand why I did this, 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 mm, and this happened mm, to me, and this happened to yeah, me. And kind of... Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was really, um, uh, it was a very sobering thing to face. <laughs> You know, um, as as somebody, you know, I'm now, a, uh, you know, I'm now a grandmother, and here I am going, oh well, clearly there's still things about you you need to learn, and mm -hmm. sort out. So, um, yeah, that that was an interesting experience. Yeah, I thought I was just having fun for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, not realizing not. that you know, there was a cover and a bit of procrastination and a bit of self doubt, and you know. It's like, oh, no, I didn't do that because I didn't want to. Mm, no, yeah. you didn't do yeah. that because I think you could. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, it, it's a humbling experience. And, you know, that's, that's what life is about, really, being humbled regularly. And so realizing, shit, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back to the do drawing better. board. <laughs> do better. Yeah. You're doing okay, but you can do better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, back to the drawing board, definitely. Well, I mean, it's been absolutely fascinating hearing you and 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 listening to you. And um I know that you do a lot of work uh, elsewhere and and um you got sort of Facebook groups and uh you know you could you're quite active uh, outside the medical sphere. Um my last question would be, what would you like to be remembered for? 
Well, you know, when all is said and done. I would like to be remembered as somebody who was compassionate, um, adventurous, and somebody who truly believed that authenticity is always the way to go. I want people to, to look at, when people look at my life, I want them to go, yep, she knew what she wanted and she got it done. Good yeah. on her. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of kind of your work, what would it be? Doctor, coach, mother, what would be like the cornerstone? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I think... I think I'd rather, rather than refer to it as a cornerstone, I'd prefer to refer to it as a foundation because a foundation, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's spread out. There's no one part is more important than the other. Um, A cornerstone means if you lose your cornerstone, everything falls. There's no part of that. If I lost it, I would fall, you know, um, Every, it's it's about laying the foundation about who you are as a person. Um, as a doctor, I, I know that I am dedicated to providing the best care for my patients that I can. Yeah. And, and and that is that is not something that is separate from the rest of my life. As a coach, I want to turn up the best way that I can for my clients. And I want to do that as a mother, a friend, a wife, a uh, well, my parents are gone now, so, but I still have people who I call my adopted parents. Um, so for me, it's about laying a foundation and yeah. truly being comfortable with who you are and recognizing that you're not perfect. That's okay. But you don't use that as an excuse. It's about always moving forward and thinking, what could I do but better? How could I serve people better? How can I be a better a better keeper of my brother. And um, that that is the ethos for, for everything in my life. How can I be a better person so that somebody else can have a better way? And that's what you do as a doctor. And that's what I do as a coach. And that's what I do for my friends and my family. And that's most importantly, what I try to do for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because this is, I think this is a really tough one for everybody, not just doctors. Treat yourself as you would want somebody to treat you. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we don't do that for ourselves. So, yeah, so that, that's a very long-winded answer to your question. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's a very, very noble venture for sure. And, and um, you know, there's lots of facets um, uh, to that. So, you know, absolutely. Um, it's been a great pleasure. How, 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 how can people get hold of you? What's the best way? Oh, well, um, if you key in doctors caring for doctors, you will find me. We are on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Um, and we've got a lovely little website. And I'm just in the process of launching a, a great little online wellness program for us physicians. So and it's all under doctors caring for doctors. So that's the easiest way to find me via email, LinkedIn, Facebook on the website. It'll all be there. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much, Pauline. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it.